Tabletopped is brought to you by the following sponsor. Are you looking for something comfortable to wear and keep your brain warm while playing tabletop games? Daily Dose of Yarn makes handmade, customized beanies for all of your style and comfort needs. She can even help you with a custom beanie to represent your favorite character. Check out Daily Dose of Yarn on Instagram and Etsy to order your new favorite beanie today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Tabletopped. Today, we have brought back a listener favorite. Mac is back to talk about the three V's, villains, victims, and villagers. Mac is just a blast to talk to, and I think you guys are going to really like this conversation, too, all about how to build NPCs that really matter. If you guys like the show, please give us a share, like, or subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. It really means a lot if you would share it with your friends, and please, if you are going to rate us, give us five stars. Why not? It doesn't cost you anything, unless it does, which is weird. Okay, well, enjoy the show. Bye. Mac, welcome back to T- Tabletop Podcast. You want to try that one again? Yeah. Here, um, <clears throat> welcome back, Mac, to the Tabletop Podcast. You laughed through it again. You want to do it one more time? Yeah, let's do it a third time. Mac, welcome back to the Tabletop Podcast. You are a listener favorite. Uh, we're so glad to have you back today. What are we talking about, Mac? Wow, Nick, that's... um. Thank, thank you so much for asking, and thank you so much for having me back on their podcast. Um, no, thank you for thank you for having me back. I, I I appreciate it. Um, we're talking about characters today, Nick. Fuck yeah, we are. We're talking about characters. We're going to be talking about um, specifically non playable characters. Yes. Yeah, and so off air, just like moments ago, <laughs> I was talking about what we were going to chat about today, and you said that you wanted to talk about developing your non-playable characters these are your villains your villagers uh your there's gotta be another v1 right victims victims oh my god here we go that's the name of the podcast victims villagers and villains (laughs) (laughs) all right um and you said you want to talk about developing them rather than creating them why is that great yeah um okay so the reason why i wanted to bring this up first is that i've seen a lot of stuff out there about like creating interesting npcs and creating like interesting storylines for non-playable characters. And there's one thing that's a major problem with that. And the thing that's a major problem with that yeah. is that um, players sometimes just don't give a fuck <laughs> about something you've worked really hard on. Yeah, yeah, th- that's so fair. <laughs> you can create the most interesting character in the whole world. They could even have an entire novel written about them. Yes. They're so interesting. And you introduce them to their characters and their name is like Randall Bigwig. <laughs> and they're like the big villain that you've set up. Honestly, and everything leads I, to them. I think that a, a character named Randall Bigwig would probably be a, <laughs> a bad example because it's a really favorite. awesome name. <laughs> But you set them up, and then you're like, "Yes, I'm Randall Bigwig. I'm the I'm the baddest bat baddest boy ever." <laughs> and then the the players are like, "Okay, 
and then they walk away and then never talk yeah. to Randall again. Yeah, or your or <laughs> my favorite example of this is when I once was running I was running a like a, a short like multi session sort of thing and I had them all walk into a bar and I was like and you look around the bar and you see like this beefy bartender cleaning out glasses and on on the other side you see some people playing darts but in the corner you see like a hooded figure that his hands are glowing slightly and he looks up at you and nods almost knowingly what do you do and they're like i want to go talk to the guy playing darts <laughs> it's like totally walked away did not give a shit about the guy i was obviously leading them to and that's you know that's the thing as well is that you can try so hard with your narration to like indicate to the to the players what what they're supposed to air quotes do and if that's not something that they care about or they're just a group of players that are just like i don't give a fuck about what you want me to do some players are contrarian yeah some players are just straight up contrarian and that's fine yeah i mean you can be a contrarian like i don't care you yeah. know if you want to be go like off the beaten path and do the weird thing that's great yeah but it's just like yeah you have to be ready for that as, as a dm so we're going to talk about um developing characters yes today. yes developing non-playable characters and not creating them absolutely um do you want an example yes i would love one okay cool let me let me talk about um this is the case uh this is now a courtroom uh this is the case <laughs> objection of, uh, you'll actually recognize this name because we actually were used to work with a guy with this last name Oops, okay I, I used his name um his name is al patrillo <laughs> Um, okay, so my first big hook in one of my campaigns was going to be that this guy, Al Patrillo, had, in a rage induced by some kind of superpower, killed his boss. Gotcha. Because his boss was going to fire him, so he killed his boss in yeah. a bit of rage because his son was sick. His son was, like, in a coma. Gotcha. Right? And he needed the money from his job to, like, pay for his son's medical bills. That was, right, like, his right. motivation. And. Al was going to basically be, like, the big bad of the first arc. He was going to, like, have, like, a flying wooden, like, tall sail ship. And, yeah. like, you know, they were going to have, like, a whole battle on the ship. And there was going <laughs> to be this whole thing where they had to convince him to, like, stop doing what he was doing. And, like, they, you know, they were going to help him, like, save his son or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But um, they didn't want to do that at all. Okay. So they followed the do you, Do you know why they didn't want to? Did they, this is a, yeah. a, a good question. Like, That's a good question. Can you ever, have you ever like sat down after a game has just gone completely off the rails and been like, why did that happen? <laughs> well, because they're smart. They're smart players. They got to the core of what his issue was. Yeah. His issue was not that he got fired. Yeah. His issue was that his son was sick. Right. So they just went to the hospital. Uh-huh. They made like an insane role, took his son out of a coma. Yeah. And that was now the story right. about this guy that came out of this fit of rage, realized that he had, um, uh, he basically realized that he had killed this other dude. Yeah. Felt terrible about it. Yeah. And whose son was now better and he couldn't be with him because like he was going to go to fucking prison. Right, right, right. You know? So it's like also that, the story ended really abruptly. Like it yeah. was supposed to be like a 10 session story arc. arc. Yeah. It was like three. Yeah. Right. And so that, but in the process of doing that, the players found other characters that I kind of introduced along the way sure. that they really attached to, that they yeah. really liked. And so they started going in that direction instead. Yeah. Right. And this has happened to me all the time where players are just like, 
no, I'm not going to do it. And my problem with that guy was I gave him too much of a thing, right? I gave him too much of a thing right away. I knew exactly how to solve his problem. I knew what his problem was. And the players picked up on that and go, okay, we're just going to solve his problem then. That's a really great point. I think that especially for villains, we're in our villain section, uh, dear audience. (laughs) We'll get to villagers and victims later, later. at a later time. Um, No, for, for villains. You have to make their problems. If you're making a nuanced villain, not just like I am Crack Thor, Omen of Evil. Yeah, of <laughs> if you're if you're making a like Shades of Grey sort of villain that may maybe is sympathetic in some way, you cannot give them a problem that is solvable. <laughs> like no. their problem with whatever it is with the world has to be one that is so difficult that it has bent somebody to do horrible things. And if you give them at like the players, like you said, any sort of way to solve the problem, they are going to do it. And they do not give a shit how it affects your story. No, but that's, and that's <laughs> fine, though. That's totally fine. If they're going to do that, then that's that's good, right? Because you didn't set up a, a villain that people cared about. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like there's – Or no, or they – or on the other hand, they cared too much and they just fixed the problem. They just fixed the problem. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it's like, well, that's that's – right. That's the thing, right? It's like – the villain maybe needs to have a thing that's completely outside of the players. Yes. But but then you have to Oh man, Nick, this is a hard one. <laughs> hard. Oh man, jeez, Nick. Oh jeez, oh, Nick. Um it's really hard cuz cuz you have to create such a balance, right? Because yeah. you can't have a villain that's totally separated from the player's stories or they're not going to care. Yeah. And you can't have a villain who's problem is tied specifically to one of the players and is fixable by that player yeah because then maybe that player will just fix it yeah you know so it's really really tough it is so hard because i've had (laughs) i've had some things happen to me before where you have you ever had it where the players just agree with the villain oh wow i've i've done it before where i made a sympathetic villain who's doing bad stuff but in the end, when I, when the players kind of picked away at like all of the fluff around it and found the core issue, they were like, "I I agree with him, like that that fucking sucks. That's injustice, and he's dealing with it. And we're living in a way where like games allow people to I think lessen the burden of actions. So like yes. if they if this person is being violent to achieve their ends and they are villainously violent." But they have like a kernel of truth or justice that they are trying to uphold and the players agree with that. They're like, I just fucking killed a hundred goblins. I just ripped them apart. This guy's just doing the same thing. <laughs> what was the what was the ideology? So um I think it was what was it? It was a while ago now. I think it was that the the villain had been so badly been just beaten down by the 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 political system of this one village where everyone essentially had just said okay there's not enough for all of us to live a good life so we're just going to strip it all out of this one family and this person's family had just slowly suffered and like eventually started dying and he had just lost everything and so then he was just like i can't allow this system to continue i'm just going to kill everybody and then the players were like yeah yeah, these people, the villagers are bad. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, too, is, like, if you make something too bad happen yeah. to the villain. I mean, well, that's the thing, right? If the players, if your goal, it depends on what your goal is. Yeah, totally. Your goal, I mean, I think. But, but at this point, the guy was like, 
you know, doing horrible things. Right. He was he was doing things in a way where it wasn't target. It wasn't like and even vengeance i have a weird thing with where it's still not okay for you to take out vengeance in the way that a lot of these games do and so then and like i said the the weight of actions are lessened so that people feel a little bit more okay with it but this person had also kind of spread it out a little bit more in a sort of punisher-esque way where it was like i don't care if you're loosely associated with these people i'm still gonna destroy you (laughs) so he wasn't a good dude uh, so ideally you wanted the players to like um, air quotes defeat him yeah he Great. was supposed to be defeated but then they were so, it was supposed to be sort of like a launching pad for them to be like there's like a lot fucked up here and we need yeah. to solve this as well it was supposed to be like part one but then they were just like no this guy's right <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's like i mean it, the players that i have will justify a lot of stuff yeah as long as they don't have to negatively interact with a npc yeah like, they really like to befriend people. Sure. To the point of which, you know, like, one of the main villains in the very beginning of this campaign, like, this guy didn't end up going to prison, this Al guy. Yeah. He ended up just living in an apartment with his son. Yeah. And they were like, well, we'll just keep an eye on him. It wasn't his fault. He didn't mean to do it. Right. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> sure. And then, like, We'll just was... keep an eye on him. We'll just keep him locked in his house for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And basically, there was, and and, like, there was another one where, like, what she was trying to do was, so their their boss, right? Yeah. They they were part of some. The players were some part of some organization that they had just joined. So they didn't really understand anything about the world or about how their powers worked or anything. Mm-hmm. And they had just joined this organization, and the boss was like a very 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 bad guy. Yes, they didn't know this because right. he was a manipulator kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this woman that was like one of the other villains. What she was trying to do was basically, like, this guy had taken so much from her, like, Mm -hmm. personally, on a personal level. And she was basically trying to hurt people to the point where they would, like, because in this world, if you hurt someone enough, they get more powerful. Sure. it pushes them. Yeah, yeah. It pushes their abilities. Past their mental limits or whatever. Yeah. Um, to the point where, like, they go insane. And so she's looking for it to, like, Dude, I want to play enough. City of Mist so bad. It's so good, dude. <laughs> she's trying to push someone so much that they'll get, like, they'll become what's called an avatar. And they'll, like, basically go insane. Yeah. And just, like, destroy, like, this guy. <laughs> yeah. For her. Right. Um, And, like, when they, like, finally, like, got her basically, like, imprisoned. Yeah. And they heard her out. One of the players was like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. If that's what you want, I'll do it. As long as nobody else needs to get hurt, yeah. I'll do it. I don't care. Is this the selfless one you're this talking about? the selfless one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it was really cool in that case because the, one villain became their friend. The other villain became their enemy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, in the improv thing, I said, hey, this is Mac referencing the improv episode. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. Um, in the improv thing, I, I did say a lot that uh, you shouldn't um, pigeonhole your players and yes. railroad them and that you uh, shouldn't have like a, desi- a desired outcome. Sometimes with a villain, you have to decide ahead of time that um, they have to die. And that's the only <laughs> way. That's the only way. Yeah. Because some people's ideologies are so strong that they will die for them. Yeah. That's just the way that it is. Especially yeah. when like magic or like superpowers or whatever are involved sometimes it's the only way yeah and like to create and to develop an interesting villain 
it's like what got them to that point where their ideology was so 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 strong yeah that the only way they were gonna let go of it is if they are dead yeah um and, and honestly, you have to build that you have to build that you can't just yeah. decide what that thing is right away that's like a also a pacing thing like i want to do a full episode on pacing because i think it's so because i've seen just in media and also newer dms just be like this guy's evil he says i've killed everybody or i am going to destroy the planet i hate this and this is why and then just dumps a bunch of history yeah and the characters are like okay (laughs) I i don't care yeah i really don't care but if they keep like again i i think that the trick to any TTRPG when it comes to building uh, non-player relationships uh, with the players is frequency of contact. Yes. It really has to be. And like what you were saying about growing, like growth of and like changing the characters that like just having them run into them all the time. Uh, and it, and you could even just have them like find bits of like memorabilia or signs that the character had been there yes. so that you can start slowly dumping some of this history out so that by the time that they get to them they're like oh i found the family portrait that fell out of his pocket or her pocket you know in this weird crime scene that we were in and i found like like part of it scratched out and when we were in the library we found like the page torn out of the book that was the genealogy and we found that he he or she actually had a kid and we found the newspaper clippings that showed that the kid was, you know, horribly treated or something. Like all of that can be in their minds when then you hit the, you know, the monologue. <laughs> no, absolutely. And they can be like, oh, I get it. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so true. Right. Yeah. And if you've created this huge backstory for this thing and you've created, again, yeah. air quotes, this character and you're just like, here it is in its full glory right it doesn't give you anything to play with totally so i actually have an example that's sort of the opposite of this happening so i in lakewood had a one of my characters was from a DD world who had dealt with strahd before and when he was pulled into lakewood um through like a dimensional portal up bit of Strahd's soul was sucked through with him because Mm -hmm. they had just killed him when he left nice so a part of it came and (laughs) Strahd became um uh j edgar hoover and became the the guy who ran the fbi (laughs) of course i mean so yeah the vampires uh ran the fbi um but when they finally when he finally came back like i had slowly hinted about him slowly finding this character who had come from uh Strahd's world and they got to him and finally met him and he was like yeah I need your help. Uh, I don't want to be here anymore. And I can't like figure out how to get back without you guys. And then they were like, we're not going to help you. You're horrible. You're evil. And he was like, yeah, okay. I could have the FBI kill this entire town or you could just like help me out. And he was doing this like as he was like cleaning the blood off of his clothes out about the person that he had just eaten or something. And so they were forced to be like, Okay, well, like, we'll deal with you. And he was literally an NPC part of the party for, like, three episodes. (laughs) Where by the end, um, by the end of the episodes, they were like, Strahd's not not a whole, like, a bad guy. And Strahd's sort of starting to, like, learn the value of, like, life and, like, of making these connections um, in a way that they were like, maybe we don't have to, like, kill him. Maybe we can sort of change him in a sort of way. And then the character who had come from the D&D world 
was like walking Strahd back to his dimension, essentially. And he saw that there was a bunch more of like Strahd's being or soul trapped behind this barrier that was trying to get out. And it was like pitch black. And he was like, what's going to happen to you when this part of you regain, like rejoins that part of you. And Strahd was like, I don't know. I think that I'll stay who I am, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And the guy was like, huh? And then just fucking killed him. Wow. Because he was like, I fucking know that when he goes back, mm-hmm. he's going to become like a horrible, evil monster again. again. And so he did this really because I had gave given them when they were in this like between dimensional space. They all had cords coming out of the back of their neck that essentially was connecting them to their original dimension. Yeah. And if that cord was cut, you just sort of evaporated wow. because you didn't so have the cord. So he just cut his cord. Wow. And he just, and it, because I had a huge boss fight planned for when Strahd like reconnected and was like, oh, on this hour, new flesh, all that kind of stuff. How much more satisfying. It was so great. It was that so choice. great. Because it's player driven. Yeah. Players decided all of that. And all you did, right, was put them in a mess that they couldn't get out of by saving a guy's son. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, the, <laughs> there can't be a MacGuffin. Yeah. Right. It needs to be. That it's like there needs to be a problem that you need to solve because there need to be stakes. Yeah. Right. And villains are really there to create stakes. They're mm-hmm. there to create problems. They're there to create issues. And if the stakes aren't high enough, the players aren't going to care. Yeah. And if the stakes are immediately too high, the players also probably aren't going to care. <laughs> They're probably yeah. just going to check out. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're right. Like that frequency thing, bringing them back over and over and over again and really deciding that it's like this is an important part of this story and this is going to affect everything going forward like however you guys deal with this something's going to be different yeah you know and like the players i think sometimes players really understand this like they're one of the players in my campaign like kept trying to reach mentally out to this like really bad person yeah really really bad person she kept trying to like (laughs) mentally telepathically like reach out across the city to her and every time it didn't go well yeah and every time all of her friends were like why would you do that stop doing it she's gonna come and get us if you keep like reaching out to her (laughs) yeah and she's like i honestly just want to like help i just want to help her yeah she just won't let me you know she just won't let me and it's like and that's something that like really frustrated her and it's like because she was reaching out for that contact because she thought there's something that i can do about this mm-hmm. but i just i'm not being allowed to by Matt. like it became a running joke Matt just doesn't want me to talk to her <laughs> Matt just does not want me to talk to her i'm not allowed to talk to her I'm like no you can talk to her yeah i just have to be really clear to you that she's like literally a god yeah and like it's not good for you to do it and you feel that yeah you know yeah in in game and out of game that it's not a good thing for you to be doing yeah she's like okay i do it anyway like okay (laughs) yeah and but that's the thing that um specifically with vic uh with uh villains i think that the more i play the more i realize that a villain cannot be a solution to a problem oh wow you know what i mean like go on about that you can't you can't say all right if you kill this person everything's better (laughs) like it just for me every time as a player that that happens and i just fucking slaughter somebody and then it's like all right you get this much xp and the uh the town's safe i guess and it's just like what that wouldn't happen like there are if if you have an authoritarian figure who has created a mass society of fear and suspicion towards each other 
when that person dies, that society does not go away. Yeah. So the act, the villain can be a part of the problem, but they cannot be the solution to the problem. That is so, that is such a good thought. Yeah. I just I think that, because like even when you were telling me about stuff in the, in City of Mist, you have a bunch of people like so, the, your villains. I won't speak specifically because I don't know which ones you've already dealt with, with your players. Uh, You can talk about Edgar. Okay. Edgar's the main one. Edgar's like the big bad boss guy. Yeah, he's the one that controls fate. Yes, he yeah, is okay. fate. That was yeah. his whole thing. He is fate. Because the thing about Edgar that you were telling me is that um, he wants this control over the city and wants to kind of manipulate everyone to do his will. Right. He he feels compelled to do that by the literal concept of fate that exists within him. Exactly. But even just by the – and that's the thing that I think that's great about City of Mist is that just in that description – you have told me that Edgar is not truly the problem. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> he or he is not the solution. He is a problem, but he's not the solution to the problem. No, and when they got rid of him, because what he did, yeah. basically what they learned mm-hmm. after they killed Edgar was that the city is actually run by lots of different crime bosses. Yeah. And Edgar was just one of them. Yeah. And he was actually <laughs> protecting their part of the city yeah. in his own way by killing people that he saw could be a threat to him yeah. and so to him he was protecting that part of the city mm-hmm. by indoctrinating people into his way of thinking about how the city works yeah it, it's honestly it's the batman problem mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the joker and like the riddler and all those people they are problems but putting any one of them in arkham asylum is not the solution <laughs> No. The solution is not to have a society that creates all of these weirdos that try to kill people. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Edgar Edgar became like this because yeah. he like you know in the in the the story that he had, you know, it's set in 92. Yeah. He was like in his 50s. He was a black man. Mm-hmm. Do the fucking math. Yeah, right. You know, and if you were given the choice to choose your own fate whenever you wanted yeah. and you were living in a society where you could not do that because you had no agency or privilege, what the fuck would you choose? Yeah. You know, so he basically was called on by fate and they were basically like, we'll take over your body and we'll take it from here. Cool. Yeah. And he was like, okay. Yeah. As long like, will it be better? Yeah, it will be better. Okay. Then, okay. Yeah, sure. Go, go for it. Yeah. You know? Because it's like, yeah, he was living through a really shitty time. Yeah. And he chose the thing that he saw would be better for his community and for his city. Right. And it just completely corrupted him. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the problem. And then once he was gone, mm-hmm. what that created was a power vacuum. Yeah. In his place where now it's like, everyone's trying to get a piece of the place where these player characters live. Yeah. And not only that, when powerful a thing that i did which is like it really is like symbolism (laughs) and it's like i wish i could do this without it being such a you know nail in the head kind of situation yeah but when incredibly powerful people die in city of mist they're called avatars these Mm -hmm. incredibly powerful people they leave behind usually some sort of item Mm -hmm. that they were wearing that becomes a relic that is associated with that concept or that thing so he wore wore these glasses and the glasses were left behind Mm -hmm. and so the next arc the players were actually using the glasses mm-hmm. because what they thought was that it would let you see a little bit into the future yeah. to tell what was going to happen. What they didn't realize was that the glasses didn't see the future. They made the future. Uh, so if you put on the so glasses smart. and so good. see something, <laughs> they what they described now is destined to occur. Right. There is no way that that thing will not occur. And I... 
Uh, and I was very influenced by um, Taz Balance. <laughs> I wanted to do an 11th hour so bad. Yeah. And so how I set that up was one of them put on the glasses and they saw themselves in the 1920s. Right. So the glasses made that happen. Yeah. So now the glasses caused time travel to occur. Yeah. And so I could be like, oh, well, the time travel didn't that, – that fixed the problem of time travel, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like really you use the villain to your advantage when yeah. you're developing them They're and make sure that they – the stain of them remains – in this case, maybe a little bit too literally, yeah. I guess, but like it should remain metaphorically too. It should still yeah. be around. Yeah, I think that oh, that's so smart that um, villains are just a vehicle for story. I yeah. mean, like everything, everything, everyone is just a vehicle for story, but villains specifically, like what you said that they, in the end, they were dealing with the thematic and societal issue of predestination i guess yes. pre predetermination and like the idea of individual freedom and having that idea like stripped away from you and then having to deal with that i just think that that's really good and i i think that as well you can have every single dm or gm can look at their villains and say what is my villain doing and why like what what am i trying to evoke feeling wise from the players with them yeah and then you i think that the the most satisfying way to run a villain is to make the players be able to come to some conclusion some question that the villain poses and then make the players by the time the villain is dealt with however that happens make them have an answer for you well yeah and and i mean it's really about philosophy yeah really when you get right down to it and um i'm not sure if i said this on the other on the other pod, podcast episode so correct stop me if i have but it's like this whole idea of have you watched Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah. In Avatar The Last Airbender, almost nobody dies yeah. in any of those fights. Yeah. There are explosions and rocks being thrown at people's heads <laughs> and literally people are getting suffocated with air, like yeah. lots of crazy shit. People's blood is being controlled inside of their bodies <laughs> and almost nobody dies. Yeah. Because it's not about killing somebody. Yeah. It's about a battle over them. ideology. Yes, exactly. Right? And so really oh, what it so is, smart. is it's a, it's a fight over ideology. And right. that's what the players should be grappling with, right? Yeah. Because they, as people playing these characters, are grappling with these ideologies. Yeah. Right? Of like, what would you do if you knew that you were like a certain way and you couldn't control it and you had to change that? Like, what would you do? Yeah. You know, it's like, what would you do if you knew you could solve all the world's problems, but you had to dissect a few people and sew them together like monsters? Yeah. What yeah. would you do? Yeah, right. You probably wouldn't do it because you're the player characters, you're the heroes. But this guy, this other villain that I had, um, another Al, Alan, um, he, that's what he did. Yeah. He was like the a gateway of Frankenstein's uh, Frankenstein, the the Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his like whole thing was that he like He's like I can fix things. I can, I can fix, fix things. Yeah. I can figure out how all these people's powers work, but I am gonna have to dissect humans to yeah. do that. Well, this is the thing that is has always been interesting to me is that um, so American and Western storytelling went through a change in like the seventies and eighties. All of the protagonists before that, because like a protagonist is somebody who enacts change. Yeah. And after the 80s and like Vietnam and the security state became a lot more like we're the good guys, it became protagonists preventing change. Wow. So like if you think of any Marvel movie, all of the superheroes are just trying to keep things the same. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, or make things go back to the way that they were. Yeah, and all of the antagonists are people who are trying to make a change. Like in Iron Man 2, there's a guy who's just like, Tony Stark's a fucking weapons dealer, and he sucks. He's corrupt. He's a playboy. He's moralless. And I'm going to go stop him. And I'm going to make it so that, like, people understand that the military state has completely taken over their culture and that they, should, wow. they shouldn't do that. And he just beats him into the ground. And people are like, yay, Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I wonder if that's around the same time that protagonists became just, like, nothing. Yeah. Like, like nothing people. Yeah. You know? Like, well, that's the, th- like, the most clear example of this is Rambo. In the first rambo movie he's the bad guy yeah and like the military going or like the police or whatever are going out because there's this insane vietnam vet in the woods who is just killing people that come yeah like is just being a fucking psychopath and then in all the other movies everyone's like no rambo's a good guy he's the hero yeah he's the good guy going in because he's really good at killing people and he is gonna fight for freedom or whatever right um so there's like a mental thing that goes on where and I, I try to do this all the time where, and I'm not, I, I don't know how much I'm successful at it, but I am, I'm trying to implement it more into my villains where they are agents of change and so are the players, you know? Yeah. So, so it's not just the players stopping something. Oh yeah. No, the, the, yes, yes. The villains have to have an agenda mm-hmm. that they're advancing that like. I mean, you know, it's it's like, and you have to give them a, the players a reason to care. I mean, with Edgar, it was literally he killed one of the players' parents yeah. when she was 13. Sure. And they didn't know about that. With Edgar, he was literally keeping one of the players' grandmothers in a catatonic state. Yeah. Because they had made a deal where it's like, either you're in a catatonic state or I kill you. Yeah. And she was like, okay, catatonic <laughs> state, I guess. Yeah. You know, and... He, because he was trying to create change in the, in, in the city and the players, they didn't kill him because of what he was doing to other people. Mm -hmm. They killed him because of what he did to them. Yeah. You know, like it was like, it wasn't about his ideology really. Yeah. It was about for one of them, straight up vengeance. Yeah. Straight up. Just like you killed my parents. Mm -hmm. Like I am not going to stand for this. Yeah. And for the other, uh, for the other one, it was just like, she was the one that won full avatar and she couldn't control what she was doing. Yeah. And she just like had a, had a murderous outburst. So it's like they, they cared. And, and Edgar, he caught on yeah. to one of the players and one of the players let slip that they knew mm-hmm. about him when it was just the two of them alone. Yeah. And Edgar had an ability where he could like shift fate. Yeah. So it's like, oh, in a different timeline, we're not standing here right now. We're standing on the top of that building yeah. right now. And he can do that a few times a day. So he teleported one of the players to the top of the building and he said, I'm really, really sorry about this, but nobody else can know. And yeah. He like pushed him off the building. Ugh. And so now that player. He managed to get out of it. Yeah. I, I knew he would be able to get out of it. I wasn't just going to do it to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Um, he got out of it. And then, of course, like he was like, Edgar's going to try and kill us if we don't kill him. Yeah. It's him or us. Like, yeah. We don't have a choice. Yeah. You know? This is uh, – because I also do want to shift because we've already set up this great title of we villains, victims, and villagers. Villains and villagers. That's right. Uh, victims, victims and villagers. And villagers. But right. the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to villains, and we could probably come back to this another time, but have you – this happens all the time in the games that I'm a part of where someone will set up a villain and then the players – will end up just trying to like talk people like it just becomes a thing where everyone's just trying to talk each other in circles out of things yeah and man 
I don't know how you get out of it sometimes because the players have morals and sometimes they're just like, no, I'm not like this person is flawed or whatever, but we need to try to come to a conclusion that's not. I also had a, a really great talk with my friend recently about how all of these TTRPGs are set up to always include violence as a solution. Yeah. And there are systems for it. Yeah. It's like literally built into the system that Especially, violence is an I mean, outcome. I haven't played, I honestly, like, I haven't played a lot of different TTRPGs. I know D&D 5e mm -hmm. straight up has a combat system. Yeah. Um, City of Mist actually doesn't. Okay. It has moves. Yeah. That you can interpret in many ways because it's a powered by the apocalypse yeah, 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 system. Yeah. I mean, Monster of the Week is about killing monsters. That's <laughs> yeah, what it has, about. Yeah, both Urban Shadows and Monster of the Week have combat. Systems. Combat where you always take damage when you do combat, but it's built into the game that you're going to do combat. Right. Um. It's so interesting that City of Mist you don't. That's really cool. You don't have to. Yeah. You actually, you actually don't have to because there's a move called Hit with All You Got. Yeah. Which is just basically what, how they describe it in the book. Amit Mosh, by the way, is the guy who created City of Mist. Yeah. If you have a chance, look at their website. It, they have PDFs. I've it's, looked at the website. It's a well-made website. It's, it's well beautiful. Website. It's, it's so cool. Good. But they they have this move called Hit with All You Got, which is like with a clear opening. Yeah. You can try and impart all damage in City of Mist is called a status. Sure. So you can impart a status on someone. Yeah. You can actually do a debate. Mm. in game with roles and the system because it's like That's oh so cool. well i went go i went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them i've made them see from my point of view now i'm gonna hit them with all i got to yeah. really drive home my point oh that's so cool and then, i love and then that you give them a status which is like convinced for yeah it's like, okay like i guess you're right I'll go with you for now. And you honestly, can actually run it that way. And honestly, so you don't actually have to do combat ever if you don't want to in the game. I have to say I love that because D&D, um, there's basically the persuade, deceive, and intimidate. Uh -huh. And if you just fudge a roll, then you're just not going to have this chance to do stuff. Mm -hmm. But having it be multiple, like multi-tiered and that you can actually have a full success, even if it's somebody who's like ide ideologically like firm. Well... You can't always. Well, but you could do this. You could like, I think you could, because you could have them go through that and be like status imparted, like wavering or unsure. And right. they have to, and they're like, oh shit, like I have to go. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't guys, uh, let's do this villain there hero thing later. There is one villain. There is one villain. Her name is Sarah. She is like in City of Mist. She is the embodiment of the Mist. That's yeah. the whole deal, yeah. right? She created the way, the way the city is, is because of her. Yeah. Um, And her whole thing is she cannot be bargained with. Yeah. At all. And so when they get into those kind of conversations with her, like, but why do you have to feel like you have to do that? And she's like, because I've tried everything you're talking about before. I've been alive for a very long time. Yeah. And everything you're saying, I've heard it a hundred times. Yeah. And it's never worked. This is why I really love, like, eldritch horror. Because these things are, un under they cannot be understood. They do not give a shit about you and your existence. Uncaring. They are uncaring. Yes. And that provides a, a real threat. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, um, at a certain point, right? Yeah. When you have that kind of dialogue, that back and forth kind of thing, if a villain can be convinced, let them try. Yeah. And if they can't be convinced, I'm going to then what they didn't do, their inaction is going to cause some real pain. Yeah. And if they don't care, if the players are like, well, my inaction about that guy that was going around killing all these people that you just got, that you talked about at the very beginning. Yeah. My inaction about that actually, uh, it meant that like a hundred more people died, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's like, okay, then you're okay with that. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure. No, that's fine. And it, I mean, if that's the game you want to play, it's the game you want to play. And, and the thing that I would encourage out of this 
if you are creating a villain well and your player don't make the players frustrated like make them be like i don't know what the fuck to do like that's okay but make them role play that like have their characters be like i don't know what the fuck to do and this is really frustrating and you're making me just have to do something i don't want to do guy like that is a very reasonable, interesting place to be role playing wise. Yes. And then that lasts longer. Like after they've dealt with this person, maybe they're like sitting at the fire and they're like, I still don't think we did the right thing there. Like, yeah. I think that we fucked up and I know that a hundred people would have died, but I feel on my conscience that that person wasn't all bad and we just killed him. And what does that mean about us? Like, yeah. that's an interesting thing to go down. It is. Um, it is. And you, but you do have to be careful. And again, we can have a whole episode about this one. <laughs> you have to be careful of j- the player character campfire philosophical conversation. Yeah. That goes nowhere and that they just go down a pit about. And then you have a whole two hour session where they're just talking about like how they feel about like killing this guy. And it's like the story isn't moving forward. And there's yeah. that one guy, that one player that just kind of doesn't care about this kind of thing. And it's just bored. Yeah. You have to be careful of that too. But yeah, no, I think that's really something to ponder on and we can, maybe we'll come back to this later, but should we move on to yes. victims? Do you want to do victims or villagers? Let's do victims last. I feel yeah. like I have way less to say about villagers because it just fits in for the three for me. But what do you think? <laughs> yeah, let's do villagers and then victims. Victims is more interesting. I think because it's so nuanced villagers, I mean, you said it in the improv episode, and I will say it again. Make make a character that is just goofy and silly and that the characters like, and just have, have him be there or her, have them be there just for the fact that they hook the characters into the social circle of the game. Yeah. Like, I think the one you used was like Schmoobel McBoobelson or something. Oh, like that. <laughs> of course, of course. And like, he's the squire of uh, like Seamus the Knight or whatever, and they don't give a shit about Seamus. But Boobelson, they're all in. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that, that happens in, in my games all the time, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you just got to have the interesting guy. You know, I think I talked about him a little bit. Like, there was Wally, the guy who was Where's Waldo. Yeah. And so they would always like. And Rio, the Mario. Rio, the Mario guy. <laughs> and they would just like lose track of wally for a while and then yeah. he'd come back and he'd show up and every every time that they found him they're like oh there he is yeah you know, it's oh, like a fun hey, cool. game. so it's like again and i think the main thing about villagers too is npcs are sometimes just set dressing yeah and that's okay yeah not every npc has to like mean something yeah not every npc has to have a huge part to play in the story some npcs can just like you know like some like it's a big DM thing to be like, ah, oh, you have a family member. I'm going to threaten that family member. Yeah. Right. That's going to create stakes. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. It's also okay to have family members that are never involved and mm-hmm. are just there to like talk to your care to, to your um players about things. Yeah. You know, that are just like, you know, like there's a, a, a character he, uh, you know, he works at a nightclub mm-hmm. and like the owner of the nightclub, like at first they were like, oh, what's her deal? Yeah. And then eventually they just discovered she doesn't have a deal. Yeah. She just, just likes trying to, to make run the... a nightclub. She <laughs> likes to make money. Yeah. He makes her a lot of money. So she, that's all she cares about. That's I had thing. I had a very similar character where his his name is Klaus and he Klaus. was a, a German, uh, no, Swedish or German. I think it was German uh, exchange student that was just in one of the characters college classes and he was like you're doing very bad at uh, at midterms like are you going to be okay (laughs) like just fucking just annoying but also they all loved like uh, klaus because they were like oh fuck klaus is here um and he had a silly voice and they just he never but he was also in the finale where um they were trying to defend the town from this kind of like 
final siege of like realities melting and trying to figure out what's going on and like hans is in the or sorry klaus is in the the bank vault with the other people being like like i'm boarding up windows and be like i don't know what's happening (laughs) and it's okay stories where it's like you know it's like you're not you're not like a a, a a a supporting character. Yeah. Like you are really like a side character. Like you really just show up from yeah. time to time. You do a couple of funny things. Maybe there's a callback that relates to you. It's fine. And and here's the thing about villagers. Actually, I yeah. found my way in Nick <laughs> on the vi- this whole villager thing. Now I love it. Victims is gonna suck now. This is the yeah. best. Um, the thing about villi- the villager thing is. That everything we talked about earlier about like not working too hard on your NPCs is like a guy that you think is gonna be a villain, yeah, could just end up being a villager. Yeah. It could just be that. And it, yeah. you have to leave yourself open for anything to occur. Yeah. When I first introduced this big villain, Sarah, she was just like someone that was in the organization that worked for Edgar. Yeah. I had no plans for what she was gonna do. Sorry, players, if you're <laughs> listening. Um, I had no, I had no plans at all for what she was going to be. I just knew I had to set up a mystery with her that no one could figure out what her gateway was. Yeah. What she was a gateway of. No one knew. Yeah. And they just figured, oh, well, it's an ability of her gateway that makes that happen. Yeah. That's it. You know, and I could have gone a million different directions with that. And I chose one. Yeah. You know, but it's, and, and it's, um, it can go the opposite way too. Right. Where it's like, you set up this big bad guy in a town. Like maybe it's like a guy that's really starting to you know, starting to cause trouble in a town or something. And then it's like, they kind of just solve his problem. And he just becomes like poor Judd. Who's yeah. like hanging out. He's you know? kind of an asshole, but he's just a guy. He's just a guy who's kind of an asshole. That actually happened to me. So I had this character. So one of the the players had in their backstory that they had accidentally, because they're a ghost, they accidentally had eaten a child, like sucked the souls directly out of oh, kind wow. of thing. Um, and they were like super guilty about it, but it happened like 40 years ago. And then in one arc, I was like, okay, I'm going to bring that, like that person, like weird things were happening. Like time was kind of slowing down for this character. And then like a voice was talking to her. And then like, she saw this rabbit outside her house and like her house and like time had stopped in a weird way. And just like the rabbit's head split open and this like thing started climbing oh out and God. was like, Hey, it's me. Like I, you, you thought I was gone for all the, all those years ago, but I'm, I'm here. And I was kind of thinking like, this is going to be like a fun bad guy. And it ended up just being like, that character was actually another NPC that they knew and really liked son and it was just kind of like a nice reunion when they figured out all the problems and this weird ghost child got his body back and then was like reunited with his mom and then was just like a really fucking weird dude for the rest of the game. But just a dude. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes that's the case, right? Yeah. Like, and, and these things can shift and they yeah. can ebb and they can flow. But you have to be ready yeah. for that big plot hook character that you gave for them to just become a normal dude like, yeah it, and it's okay yeah, yeah it's totally okay it's really for me about what the players latch on to and it's never it's not you can't always make it a self-fulfilling prophecy right because if you do the players are going to catch on they're gonna mm-hmm. be like oh well the second you tell i tell you that i care about this person you're going to make them the bad guy or you're yeah. going to make them like the the hero that's going to save the day or you're going to make them really important yeah but it's, so it's like you can't always follow the player's lead on that thing even though i think you usually should mm-hmm. um but you can from time to time you know just like just like leave someone there totally open-ended yeah wait to see if the players latch on to them and if they do do something about it and if they don't don't i have a lot of characters 
and there's like a real peek behind the screen. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of, so in City of Mist, you're right, you're either asleep, you have no idea what's going on in the city, you're a gateway where you're, you know, something, this thing's Something's you. happening. <laughs> or you're an avatar where you're like fully there, or you're a sleepwalker where you can see things, but you're not special, you're not like yeah. have any powers. I have a lot of characters that are NPCs that are currently around yeah. where I'm like gateway question mark. And I have like, <laughs> and I have like, like uh, maybe like a mythoi like listed under there that they could be. Yeah. But they're not that until I say they are. Yeah. You know, or until they give a hint that they are. They, they're, they're that thing when it serves the story for them to be that thing. And if it doesn't serve the story for them to ever be that then they're never that. And yeah. that's fine. There's something that happened in my urban shadows. This is, a, I think, a great point that Every single villager is both a victim and a villain at the same time. Okay. Okay. Now we're making villager the most interesting thing by far. I think that every (laughs) villager has the potential to go either way, depending on what the story needs. And like, I had a a thing that happened where um, this bookie was taking bets on a street fight that was happening in my urban shadows campaign and one of my characters was like i'll take i'll take this action and he's like do you want to you want to be next and i'll give you 20 percent of all the things that i make and he was like okay yeah i'll go fight and he goes and fights this crazy guy named like bloody handed joe who's just like a huge werewolf and they both fight and it becomes like a tie or something and then they're like hey let's go to the bookie get our money and the bookies just ran and then they're like, we got to go fucking find this guy. It became, it was totally improv. Like, I was just like, oh, this is right. this guy that's happening. It would fun if he ran. Yeah. And, yeah. and so then they just chased him. And eventually I got to this point where, because I had the characters in Urban Shadows, every, the start of every session, they come up with rumors. Yes. Uh, yes. And one of, plot hooks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one of the rumors that one of them had created this time was, hey, on the outskirts of town, there's something weird happening because people aren't going out there even during the day because people are just disappearing. Mm. We don't know what's going on. So they went to the edge of town and the bookie was like, here, here, I, I in front of this cave, I was like, here, I, I have all the money. I Everything that I promised you, everything in the deal, here it is. And then all of these like zombie type things on these like leashes basically started coming out and there was like a huge weird monster that had all of these things that they collected it and then just were like dragged by their chains back into the cave and the characters they still don't know what this the deal with this thing is but they were like hey you need to give us your money you owe us and he's like no don't fucking talk like that right here and they're like talk about what you just just give us the money that you owe and then like a zombie had like from the cave had walked up and was like listening to the conversation. He's like, I will do whatever you want. I mean, I mean, I, um, let's just go to a bar and then we can talk about this. Because this thing was enforcing all of the deals that were made like in its like area. Oh. And so the bookie introduced this whole new thing of like, there's some weird fucking creatures out there and they seem to have like very strict rules that they follow. <laughs> and so like, that's what I'm saying where all it like that villager became a villain by stealing all their stuff that they had to deal with and then became a victim to this other thing that was out there and then went back to being a villager kind of NPC person by the right. end of it. So it's like these things, they're very, sh- they they're shift influx, back and forth. They can change from from session to session. And, and don't get too holy about it. Yeah, totally. You know? Don't get too stuck as a DM being like, 
no, this is the way that this character is and they mm -hmm. can't ever change. Yeah. It's like sometimes characters go and change. Even if your players are like, I reach them at the core of their personality and I know that their character arc is resolved and they're never going to change. It's like, they good. Yeah. Why not? And this is another thing about I, even like low level, especially specifically for D&D, &D, this is something that I've always sort of wrestled with is that especially for lower level monsters that are humanoid, like, you know, bandits, yeah. like if someone is standing over you has just killed five people and has like a bloody mace is like, man, just let's not fight right now. Like he's, I, I have always been under the opinion that they would be like, okay, and walk away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like yeah. not give a shit. Because like all these, all of these, monsters and people and villains they have survival instincts as well there's always a math that they're doing about what's the best action for them yeah so this is actually um I don't, uh, maybe your listeners listen to this one but this is a big shout out to nadpod not another D, &D <laughs> podcast the um, murph the dm for that one um he did this whole thing in camp they're on campaign three now but in campaign one they just like killed everybody mm -hmm. like all the bad guys they just killed. Any fight was usually resolved with everyone dead on mm -hmm. one side or the other. And in campaign two, there were so many just like wimpy dudes <laughs> that literally they got to like two HP and they were yeah. like, all right, I'm out. I all quit. Right. I succeed. I, I, I concede. You're, uh, you win. I'll tell yeah. you whatever you want. Just don't kill me. Yeah. You know, because it's like people in general care more about their life right now yeah. than they do about what could happen later. Which is yeah. like, you see the movie all the time, it's like, they're going to kill me anyway. There is yeah. no point in... And then they, like, eat the cyanide capsule or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I'll tell you everything you need to know. And then they get, like, shot in the head by, like, a sniper <laughs> or something. It's like, that doesn't actually happen. Yeah. What actually happens is, okay, you win. Yeah. I'm gonna look for any way I can to get out of this in like five minutes, but right now I'll tell you everything you need to know. The idea that I've been obsessed with lately is that um, authority is just the lawful, in air quotes, use of violence against others, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when it comes down to all of this, a lot of the times your character, in especially in systems like D&D that really encourage combat, um, you're just wielding violence as a persuasive tool. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I am have been so interested in how authority works in that way wow, and try yeah. and try to get that into the game because, you know, there are two things that people cannot abide, and that is when violence is wielded unlawfully towards them, which, you know, in a lot of cases the heroes might be doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and they cannot abide the idea, like people will put up with a lot of shit if they think that it's like the majority of way, it's like the way things are. Yeah. So I think that it's it's interesting to start adding these ideas into your combat and especially your villains and things so that you can make them, like someone doesn't even have to be a villain even if they're oppressing a whole group of people if everyone there is sort of like yeah this is sort of how it is and the the characters can be like this fucking sucks we're gonna liberate this place but then they're just sort of a group of 
bandits. Yeah, that just basically <laughs> trying to dismantle a government. Yeah, exactly. Right? I yeah. mean, a government like right. It's just like what what is what is the Bud Cubby quote? It's like laws are just rules <laughs> by the majority yeah, exactly. to oppress the you yeah. know the the mi- minority or whatever. Yeah, but it's which like, is a g- if you haven't seen that clip, it is one of my so favorite. Good. I think that's about Dimension it. Twenty. That's um ed, that's uh. A fantasy High yeah. season one. I think about that clip probably twice a day. Oh, just, yeah. It's just so good. It's he so is good. such a brilliant monologuer. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> another great example, Bud Cubby of a character who was a villager yeah. and then became like a hero of yeah. the story. Ah, Siri, shut up. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Wonderful. Victims. Victims. We're here. Yes. Now, you actually, and I don't want to retread ground, yeah. but you in the improv podcast, you talked about the re- the, the reporter guy. Yes. He, to me, yeah. kind of sounds like the ideal victim. Yeah. Because he sounds like a villager that became a victim right away. Can you just talk a little bit about him yeah. again? I think, and, I think it's worth retreading. And some of my people who were in that campaign listened to it and were like, I didn't fucking like Scooter. I was like, yeah, but you knew his name. And he was around a lot. And you had some sort of feeling towards Scooter. Got it. You know, like, um, one of them was, like, constantly like, shut the fuck up, Scooter. You're such a loser. Like, that was their relationship. But Scooter was usually in the thick of things, would always kind of survive, would help out when he could. And also, he was, like, a reporter. So he was trying to get to the bottom of things. He was just, like, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Hate and love (laughs) are very, very close to each other emotionally. Yeah, the, the opposite of love is in hate. It's not giving a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but the, and the, the thing about like a, a character like Scooter, right? Is like, if yeah, you're right. If your characters know their know their name and feel a certain way about them, yeah, that makes a good victim, whether the characters like them or not. Yeah, right. Because then the characters will feel a certain way. If and and I guess we're wow, man. Defining a villain is pretty easy. Defining a yeah. villager, like we've defined villain as bad guy. Yeah, villager is background character. Victim is. Is it someone that just something bad happens to? I feel like victim is a way to it. it, it victims, and this is hmm, it's complicated. Oh yeah, <laughs> because, because there are, there are victims that are used as plot devices. Yep, like Scooter was in the end, right? Or, and, or like the traditional damsel in distress kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm and they about like the most traditional. Yeah, the most traditional plot device heavy trope is just a mechanic. To make the characters make choices. Right. And the victim in the Scooter thing was <laughs> me saying, do you go to Scooter? Because you see that there's they're running at you guys. Scooter is there. Your friends are over here. He, like, this player knew his friends are pretty strong at this point. Probably would be okay. But also, like, probably you should be over there in case this becomes a mess and you guys have to deal with it. Or you could go deal with it, like try to try to help Scooter and put yourself in a really bad position. And he was like, I go to my friends. Like they're the people who matter to me, which is a really like, I don't fault that decision at Honest, all. In the moment. Honest. I mean, it's like yeah. you see some guy that's on fire and you see your family like surrounded by smoke. Yeah. Do you run to try and put that guy out with no equipment to do so? Yeah. Or do you go to your family to try and get them out exactly. of the Exactly. Yeah. So I don't begr- I, I'm not like, see, you're a bad person you for what you did. Scooter, you little but, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but he went to his friends and then Scooter paid a price. Like yeah. he he literally became a consequence of an action. Yes. Uh, and I think that that's what victims usually end up being. 
unless this is a big thing that I want to like push over to another sec- segment is like there are victims and then they're the victimized. Yes. And I think the victimized is a way more gray area of like, you have to be really careful in there. <laughs> oh, 100. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like in most, and like, you know, it's, uh, it's like it's with the victimized, it, it is, it is really, really hard, especially yeah. since, you know, a lot of players aren't here yeah. for real life problems. Yeah. You know, it's like, and in a way, I think that victims are a way of bringing enough of that in yeah. that they feel like some sort of emotional or gut reaction, but is, you know, still a game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that victims maybe too are like, they're, they don't, they don't want to die, right? They're characters that aren't strong enough to yeah. help themselves. And so the players need to help them. Yeah. And sometimes... That's a really good way of putting it, of like, just not... They are not strong enough to enforce what... Their will. Their will and what is, like, good for them. Yeah. Whether or not that's good for everyone else, whatever. And and maybe that's the only difference between victims and villains is that villains are strong enough to enforce their will. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, okay, so there was a moment... This actually made me think of something. In, In City of Mist, there was a whole thing where... There was this really bad dude. His name was Shen. Yeah. He was a really, really bad guy. He was like shark lawyer by day, <laughs> gateway of um, Oda Nobunaga by night, like samurai guy. That was like basically the 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 right wing to the Sarah person. Like, yeah. Really bad guy. And he had basically was holding a gateway that they knew hostage yeah. in her home right. with her little sister and her mother mm-hmm. who, are, who, um, who are not like particularly magical. Like her little sister's like a little kid. Yeah. Um, and this woman, her name was Yuri. She was basically like tasked by him. She, he was like, okay, I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep your family hostage. Yeah. And you are going to get the information I need out of your friends. Yeah. And if you don't get it, I'm going to kill your family. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so who's the victim there? They all are. Yeah. Right? Because Yuri isn't strong enough to fight him. Yeah. He's incredibly powerful. And she, her story arc came from her being a victim. And then she was, uh, this was her voice. I'm going to do Yuri for a second. Sure. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, Can I just say, I'm so really sorry. Can I just say something about, Um, I'm actually a little worried that, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I don't mean to say that you can't do that. I'm really sorry. But what I mean to say, right, she was yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So she was so nervous and yeah. so shy and so like was cripplingly muted by her yeah. own personality that she was incredibly powerful. Yeah. And she totally could have protected her family. But the thing that was in her way was her inability to make decision and to like speak up for herself. Yeah. And so the, in that way, she was a victim. Not because she wasn't powerful. Yeah. Because she couldn't decide to be powerful. She couldn't take the power for herself, especially if it meant hurting somebody else. Yeah. God forbid. And also this guy used to be like her boss. A big, long story. Yeah. So... <laughs> She basically, right, like, turned on the players. Yeah. And, like, was going to basically, like, turn on them. But the players figured it out and, like, beat this guy up. But, and then her arc became, like, okay, like, I'm going to make it up to you guys. Like, I'm really sorry for what I did genuinely this time. Not just saying sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm going to change. I'm going to become a person that is able to handle things a little bit more. Right. And so through being a victim, the players actually worked with her Mm -hmm. to put her more into that villager zone. Yeah. Right. Which some characters, some play, some, yeah, some NPCs, they need to be like pulled out of there. Yeah. 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 And I just, I think that um, the way 
that I will say to not do victims, mm-hmm. um, just for me, is just don't have meaningless, horrible things happen to people. Oh, God. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. as a storyteller, you have to know why things are happening yeah. in a story context. Yes. So, like, the thing with Scooter seems like a meaningless death, but it was a turning point thematically to show this isn't, this has, we have gone into an uncaring part of the world where it doesn't matter your intentions, it doesn't matter how much you work, one misstep can just bad things happen now (laughs) and that's what i was signaling to the players and like i think that that is so different than you know a group of bandits coming and just like disemboweling a bunch of people for no reason other than let's fight those bandits yeah and you have to have a real (laughs) conversation with your players if your players are looking for like a grim dark this world is bad yeah kind of thing you can do that if you want to. Um, I would have a really serious conversation with your players before you do that kind of thing. Like, yeah. I'm not fully against it, but I'm not definitely not for it. And yeah. if your villain, and this is like, again, victims and villains are so related because they interact with each other so much. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if your villain's whole thing is like, I just like killing. Yep. Period. That's yeah. what I do. I kill people. But this is the thing is that villains are not monsters. No, monsters are completely different. Monsters Monst- are basically animals. Yeah, exactly. That have like but, a predatory drive. But what you just said of like, I just love killing, that that's an animal. That's a monster yes. at this point. And it's like, I'm killing you because I need to eat. Yeah. I need to eat to yeah. survive. And I don't <laughs> understand that you are sentient. Yeah. And so I'm going to eat. Or even just like, you're sentient, I'm semi-sentient in right. some monster's case, but, like, I eat you. I mean, like, we do this to, like, pigs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, this stuff happens, We're you know? smart, apparently. Yeah, yeah. You know, Who are, like, as like, smart as a three-year-old. It's right. like, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But it's, it, and that's just how it is, right? It's like, yeah. you got to, you know, you're, you're totally right. Villains are not the same thing as as uh, as monsters. Villains have and... emotion, um, emotional weight in the story, yes. whereas monsters exist as obstacles. Yes. Yeah. And I think that... Like the the whole thing with the victimize, I think, is what territory you're getting into. Yeah. If you're having senseless, mindless cruelty yeah. upon people for no reason. Yeah. Other than like, you know, it's like a bunch of bandits come into town. It's like, what do the bandits want? Yeah. Do they want some kind of item that is in the town that is like hidden in the town records? Yeah. Do they want money? Yeah. Do they want to have ownership of the town because it's an important waypoint between two other towns. Yeah. You can't just have them show up and just like be there and not have any reason mm-hmm. for them to be there. One of my favorite villains actually in all time in yeah. television. Have you ever watched Boardwalk Empire? No. Bobby Cannavale plays this guy <laughs> named, uh, is it Jip Rossetti? Okay. I think his name is. And his whole deal is that um, Steve Buscemi fucked with him. Mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi like, made a bad deal with him, did not follow through. He took that personally. And so what he does is he goes to a small town that is on a route between Atlantic City and wherever they're trying to ship alcohol to. It's about bootlegging. Yeah. And he just takes over the town. Yeah. He just moves in and says, this town is mine now. Okay? <laughs> and nobody is going to do anything about that. Yeah. Because I will hurt you. Yeah. And everyone's like, okay, I guess you're the government now. Yeah. And he just does that, right? But he doesn't do it for no reason. He there does it because it's a reason. very important place. It's in an the, important place. Yeah. It's an important reason. And he seems at times like a mindless killing machine. Yeah. Like the way that he plays him, like sometimes like he'll just like HBO style be like, and now you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> but the great thing about that character, and I think he won some kind of award for it, 
the great thing about that character is he actually does have a reason. Yeah. Even if you can't see it. So go ahead and make your characters that like on the surface are like, just like killing. That's my whole thing. But make sure that that's not actually the whole thing. Yeah. Like I think it's actually very interesting to have a villain that's just like, I'm just a mindless killing machine. That's my whole deal. But then like you find out that like, that is something that that person has wreathed themselves with to protect mm. their inner, you know, life in some way. Like in this way, sounds like that this person what felt as though they were wronged or disrespected or whatever, and that's manifesting in a very brutal way. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, and I also think for me, like, um, the difference between victims and villains is just like who does the party agree with? Yeah, you know, wow. yeah, and, and, and they can—they're yeah. not mutually exclusive. Yeah, you know, like I mean, you know, I talked about Edgar. It's like like this is almost gets into victimized territory. We never saw it happen in the story. It was just a part of his backstory that someone saw when reading his mind once about like how he first transformed into fate mm-hmm. because like some people were being racist yeah. against him. Right, like, people were being racist to him. Yeah, and he said, "I don't. I can do something about this. Yeah. I'm not going to stand for it." Yeah, I, I have the power now to fix it, so I'm yeah. going to. And he did. Yeah, right. And like that. And in that way, he was like, "This is another thing that I love um, to try to put into my games and villains is like make them the heroes that just were heroes for a little bit too long." Yeah. <laughs> right, your classic. Um, uh, yeah, what the, is it? Uh, Batman. Batman. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. just make them people who enacted change, did good, and then just kept going. Kept going. <laughs> yeah, kept the power. Right. Yeah. No, but, absolutely. You can yeah. you can keep that. Ah, man, that thread. Yeah, and man, the victimized thing, yeah, it's really rough. Really talk to your players before you do any of that kind of thing. Talk to yeah. them about content. Having conversations with your players is Always important. important thing yeah, I just, it's interesting because like the scooter thing and also uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan and Murph actually had a conversation once about a, a campaign where they- That's Adventuring Academy. Yeah, Adventuring Academy, re- another one. really great podcast. Yeah, I would on, highly, uh, highly recommend. YouTube. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about how there was this NPC who was just like a really nice witch who was just in the woods, kind of herbalist and was like, oh dear, he's like, come on in. And then they like were like, I'm, we're going to go kill the goblins. We'll see you later. Went- killed the goblins came back and then the baron had taken the witch and been like no witch is here and just hung her from the gates and then the dm was doing that so that because they were being very flippant about the game and just not investing emotionally and the only thing they had really emotionally invested into was this this person and so then it was like you guys left and this is what happened to her and the baron is still there what are you guys gonna do and then they were all like we're gonna fucking kill the Baron. <laughs> like, like it, it provided a story, right? right? Exactly. A start of a story. Yeah. And like that scene, it is sort of like a senseless thing, but also it served a story purpose. So I'm just saying, victims is a really rough. It's a ro- rough road it's to a, ride, and it's it's easy. It's sometimes easier because you can hide behind the veneer of fantasy. Yeah. But if you're playing in like a realistic world, like City of Mist, like I'm just gonna say it right now, like myself and my players are all white people. Yeah. We don't deal with racism yep. in modern times yep. at all. We don't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I talked about this in another episode of like, you can play in a world that doesn't deal with some of the yeah. just the bullshit that we have no, to deal with. Because the history of that world is the same. Yeah. Right? Because, because all the players reference it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the history is the same. So the 1960s were the 1960s yeah. in America. 
you but they've made more progress yeah. into the 1990s in the game yeah that's what we've decided yeah we decided that there is no sexual violence yeah sexual violence is not a thing in this city probably it's no homophobia <laughs> there's no homophobia yeah we don't talk about that yeah you know like there's an lgbtq pop population that is like thriving and yeah. awesome because that's what the players want to interact with and care about yeah you know so it's like if you're gonna have that kind of like real world oppression stuff in your games like you know, just talk to your players. Yeah. Just have a conversation. Yeah, like it it can seem really compelling when you're like in like in that example, it's like, okay, there's a thriving gay community in this town. And they like go away and then they come back and like there's just a horrible sort like of hate, crime, an, hate crime that's happened. Someone at your table could be like this is really close to home. Really triggering. Like, yes, me. this is really triggering. Yeah, racism too. And any kind of yeah. And like you can get the same story out of it by just taking and changing parts of it to be less hurtful. You know what I mean? I guess. Yeah. Like so. I again, my advice is to look at what you're trying to do strategically, story wise, and then you say, do I have to involve real? fucking things that people have to deal with every day you know and yeah. and if it, and if the case is like i want our table to confront some of the issues of the day like if your players are down with that do it like be careful but do it and it's um, like if you're at that point maybe just go devise a play yeah yeah because at that point you're really just you're doing social activism yeah you know which it can be very valuable through role-playing games but maybe isn't for everybody yeah totally you know? yeah all right, so that's villains, that's villagers, that's victims. We got all three Vs. We got all three. The three Vs. Mac, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything that you're just like, you, you've you wanted to say, and I've just kept cutting you off, anything like that? Oh, my God, about character development? About non-player character <laughs> development? Um. All right, that's another game. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Uh, no, I, I, yeah. I think we covered, like, a lot of, of really good ground here. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, the, the main thing I'll say is just, you know, remember that everything is flexible. Yeah. Keep going back to that improv mindset. Yeah. Anything can be anything. Don't overplan your characters. Exactly. And um, I know that I always kind of take a big old dookie on, hey, this, this is, uh, you know, Omen Dark, the dark Grim killer rats, yeah <laughs> but plug but yeah exactly <laughs> yeah butt plugs are real asshole <laughs> no i think that um that those villains that type of thing has its place and it can be going back to your thing of like it's not for everyone to have these like really complex things that make you have to think a lot about the morality of what you're doing that's a type of play but if you just want like hey this king is a real dick and you need to stop him. Whatever, whatever, however you do that, you just need to stop him. Yeah. Like, do it, man. Demons That's... exist for a reason. Yeah. There are literally in D&D chaotic evil things. Yeah. That cause chaos and are evil. Yeah. And that's just what they do. Yeah, use that. It's it's their nature. Want. Yeah, and I think that what what they're doing there is showing like, hey, bad things happen for no reason in the world, and they are the embodiment of that. So feel free to use them. I am not trying to, you know shit on that i'm just yeah. saying that if you want a villain that leaves an emotional marker like a, a story villain yes put a little bit more thought into it have reasonings why and then i again i super encourage you to think from what do i want my characters to feel after dealing with this yeah and then build your characters uh interactions with the villain towards that purpose all right wow
We said it all. We said it all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mac. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll have you on again soon. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I had a blast. Let's do it again. All right. bye. Bye. There you have it. Another episode come and gone. Luckily, there's another bonus episode ready for you next week. If you're interested in being a part of the show, either by sending in some listener mail or questions or topics you'd like us to cover, you can do so at tabletoppedpodcast at gmail.com or at tabletopped at Twitter. We listen and read all of your messages, so please, please, please send those in if you're interested. And again, if you rate us five stars, if you share us around with your friends, if you you know comment on uh, the different platforms where you get your podcast, it really helps people find us and we appreciate it a ton. Anyway, I'll see you next week for another episode of Table Talks.